those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Sager Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. The word of God upon which we base our message on this second Sunday in Advent is the gospel for this day. You heard it read before in Luke chapter 3. I recall just these words. John traveled throughout the region around the Jordan River. He told people about a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As the prophet Isaiah wrote in his book, a voice cries out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who has come in Bethlehem's manger to die on a cross, who comes to us today through his word and sacraments, and who will come to judge both the living and the dead on the last day, my beloved. Everybody says that they like change. Change is a good thing. Do things differently, not always the same. Several months ago, my wife convinced me to change from a flip-top cell phone to a six. Oh, it all sounded really good until you go into the store, you know, and then you have to negotiate who's going to be your provider, your carrier, how much it's going to cost, how you're going to pay for it, and then you have to work the thing. And so every day we have a training session, and there's still a learning curve, you know, for about a week, a couple months, maybe even a couple years. Oh, let's paint the bedroom a new color. Hey, that sounds like a good change, doesn't it? Going to the store and picking out the color, that's the easy thing. Then comes the paint buckets, the ladders, the tarps, the cleaning up, the masking tape. And then you ask yourself, well, was this such a good idea? You see, change is not bad. The process of changing is something that's difficult and hard. John the baptizer, cousin of Jesus, was a man whose history was filled with changes. First of all, his father had to change. His father was that... uh, priest in the temple, you know the story, he went in there, they offered the incense, and all of a sudden an angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a son. He knew his wife was way past menopause. He was an old man now. He says, how can I know this? Well, he wasn't going to be able to speak, you see, he had to go through a process of change from being a disbeliever to believing. And then just think about his wife, what that meant for her change, way beyond menopause. This old lady, you're going to get pregnant. What a change that was going to be. John, as John grew up, he changed through a lot of changes in his life. In fact, the day that he was uh, circumcised, all the family members, remember, he's only going to be one son of a family. You know, he couldn't have any other ones, this miraculous one. And so everybody says, well, let's name him Jack Zachariah Jr. And and then uh, Zachariah says, oh, point of order. No, the angel said, his name is John which means the Lord is gracious. John, as he grew up, he changed things. You know, John was the son of a priest. And as such, you weren't supposed to have any vocational discretion. Your dad was a priest. You had to be a priest. 
John wasn't a priest. He was a wilderness evangelist. He was supposed to be there in the temple with blood up to his armpits, sacrificing animals. He wasn't in the temple. He was out in the desert. He was supposed to be wearing white linen vestments like all the other priests. Rather, he wore coarse camel hair clothes. He was supposed to eat the, the, the portion of the sacrifices reserved for the, for the priests in the temple. Instead, he was out, e- out there eating honey and grasshoppers. God was saying to the whole world, things are changing. The Old Testament is ending. The New Testament is beginning. You see, all the things in the Old Testament, all those visual aids, were encouragements for people to look forward to the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. Now, Jesus was here. No more priests needed to take prayers to God because God was standing among them. John was a man of change. God had given John a mission. The word of God came to John in the desert. (coughs) His mission was to bring change into the lives and the hearts of people. And it was Luke who quoted Isaiah, as I just read this morning. Isaiah, that prophet who wrote 700 years before Christ. A voice cries out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. 700 years before the fact, Isaiah prophesied regarding John. John was the fulfillment. What Isaiah pictures and what Luke recounts, prepare the way for the Lord is, you know, before the days of cell phones, when there was going to be an entourage or a parade for some dignitary, you know, like today the governor, the president, or whatever, you sent people ahead, didn't have any cell phone, you sent people ahead to prepare the raid way for the Lord. That meant clean up the streets so that things are ready for the professionals. John was a one-man corps of engineers for people's hearts because the pathway for Jesus into the hearts of people was filled with the obstacles of impenitence and unbelief. And John was equipped by God with a method for changing, changing the hearts of people. It says that John preached a baptism for the repentance of sin, for the forgiveness of sin. And maybe you didn't know it, but John the Baptist out there, he was also changing baptism. The ceremony of baptism wasn't a new thing. Uh, For the Jewish church back then, when you wanted to become a member, you were a convert from the Uh, from the Gentile to to the Jewish faith, then you would go through a ceremony of baptism. They would sprinkle water in your face. It was sort of like an initiation ceremony. Now you're a member of the church. But only church-recognized leaders, like uh, leaders of the synagogue or priests, were supposed to do the baptizing. John was no recognized church authority. He wasn't at the temple. He wasn't in the synagogue. He was baptizing out there in the wilderness. And so the leaders of the church came out there and said, by whose authority are you baptizing? Are you Elijah? Are you the Messiah? Baptizing was only a religious ceremony or entrance into the Jewish church. And so the the leaders that came out there, they asked John, well, why are you baptizing? Don't you know that these people are already Jewish out here? 
I mean, we're Jewish. We're all children of Abraham. We're already members of God's family. And John said, no, you're not. And they said, yes, we are. He said, no, you're not. Membership in God's kingdom has nothing to do with who you are or what you do, but it has everything to do with what God did for you. And so he said to those church leaders, you poisonous snake, you're just like your father the devil, a liar. And if you don't change, the axe is ready to cut you down and you're ready to be burned in the fire. Many people standing around said, what shall we do? And that's when John said, well, repent. Change the way you think and act. Recognize that you are sinful in all that you do. Recognize that God should punish you and that you need help. And when they recognized that, then they were ready for a savior. Then they were ready for Jesus. You see, if you don't recognize that you're a sinner, that you messed up, that God should punish you, what on earth do you need a savior for? And so it was that when Jesus finally came out into the desert wilderness, that it was John who said, Behold, look over there, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The method that John used to change people's hearts is the same methodology that we use today. The law and the gospel, the Ten Commandments that tells us what we should do and what we haven't done, and that God should punish us. And then there's the gospel, the message of forgiveness, that all punishment is taken away through Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And then when the people heard that, why, well, they had a change of heart. And then John said, well, and if you had a change of heart now, that means you should see, it should show itself, you should have a change of lifestyle too. Show compassion to people. If you got two shirts and you see somebody that doesn't have any and they're running around naked, give them one. See that people don't have any food, give them some food. Think about helping others. So, how about you? Any change taken place in your lives? You bet they have. At your baptism, you came into this world like a little snake, a child of the devil. Through holy baptism, God changed you into a child of God. You see that conversion from unbelief to belief that's called repentance, capital R, changing the way that you were. But God calls for other changes in our lives, too. You ever notice it? Virtually 99.9% .9 of the time when we come into church after the first hymn, we always start out with con uh, confession to receive forgiveness. We admit that we've messed up, that we've a sinful life those past six days. That's contrition. That's sorrow for our sins. And then we ask God for help. God, without you, I'm absolutely lost. And then we receive the beautiful announcement of the forgiveness of sins. That all sins have been forgiven. No matter which one is still haunting you, it's all gone through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's repentance, you see, with a small I. Our daily admission of our guilt of sin. And then our recognition of the sweet beauty of forgiveness. 
but repentance also calls for some changes in our lives and our lifestyles too. Anything that you need to correct or change in your life? Show more compassion for others as a display of your faith? Someone out there who needs a little bit more of your love is a sign for a change. John the Baptist was a man whose history was filled with change. Even towards the end of his ministry, when everything was going pretty good, then along comes Jesus, and a lot of uh, John's disciples started following Jesus, and that's exactly what John wanted. He said, he must increase. I have to decrease. After me comes one who is greater than I am. You see, John's focus was always on Jesus, preparing hearts for Jesus. So here we are in this Advent Christmas season. What is it, two and a half weeks before the great event? Our concentration certainly is on a lot of things. So I was asking us today, where is your concentration? On the Christmas chaos or on the Christ child? He encourages us to make sure that our focus is on Jesus, the poor babe of Bethlehem's manger, the poor carpenter, the one humiliated on Calvary's cross for you and me, the glorified one, the resurrected Lord, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting God, the mighty God, the everlasting God, the prince of peace, the king of all of your life. Make him the main focus of your attention this season. That would really be a nice change. Behold the Lamb of God who changes things, who takes away the sins of the world, and that means yours too. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Please stand. peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. 
and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Would you take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. 